It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch, race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. Joe'sCarding.com for more information, age restrictions. You know, I always have people ask me, hey, my kid's 14, my kid's uh, 16. Can they race? Can they race? Joe'sCarding.com. There's one thing that Joe's Carding does right. And by the way, it is many things. But one thing I'm going to point on this time is that everything you need to know, pricing, hours, restriction, training, do's, don'ts, how-tos, everything, Joe'sCarding.com. Dirk, it's been one interesting week for the racing world, and hopefully in 24 hours, it'll be one hell of an interesting week for you and being acquainted with a new kidney. You you are recording from, is this now Studio F? <laughs> no, this is this is Studio, studio 5800. <laughs> the 5800th room in a hospital, you are laid up. About right. Well, you're on a list to get a kidney again. Well, I said that a little bit wrong again. Of course, I said that. No, I'm I'm on the list, but I actually got a call in, and I'm a backup again. So I get to go through all the testing. So I, in the last two hours, I've had 12 vials of blood drawn, a COVID test, an EKG, three chest X-rays, and uh, I think they poked me in a few other places. But uh, uh, it's it's all by pretty girls. So this is all good. All right. uh, (laughs) You didn't didn't get the male nurse like we were worried about earlier? (laughs) Nope. Nope. He wasn't waiting for me in my bed. That's for sure. One of them, one of the male nurses, though, the guy that was going over the drugs and everything, he come in, he looked at my chart. He goes, have we met before? And I said, yeah, it'll be four weeks ago tomorrow night we were doing this. So got a little earlier start tonight. And hopefully when I wake up in the morning, it'll be to get hauled down to surgery and get a kidney. But it's like last time they'll wake me up and say, yeah, no kidney today. Go home. Well, fingers crossed uh that that it happens but like you said uh if if you get a kidney it means somebody else had to give one up which uh isn't always the greatest thing but at least it's going to go to use so uh, i hope you get one because i know i know you're looking forward to peeing again well i'll tell you my first pee is going to be videoed and put on facebook <laughs> and you're going to get put in jail again <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have to open a new account but yeah <laughs> <laughs> well put this one under dirk diggler <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, you know, like we've talked before, my, after six years of no use, my bladder's got to be about the size of a BB. Oh God. That first oh. front stretch road trip is going to be interesting. Oh, I'm going to tell you, we are going to hit every exit all the way to Kansas city. <laughs> we are not peeing in a glass bottle. That is not happening. <laughs> so I said, yeah, we can hit the exit. You know, I'll be functioning. So, or I hope I'll be functioning anyway. That's the plan. We'll, uh, we'll do our best to keep everybody updated with how Dirk's going. Obviously, there's some HIPAA laws, so if Dirk's not able to give me permission to share things on Facebook, I'm not going to. I'll wait until he does so and then relay the information. But if you're not friends with Dirk Houston on Facebook, if you want to request him, go right ahead. But uh, but you've been warned. <laughs> you, you may get banned from Facebook, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much an open book, so I don't mind whatever you say. I'm not going to sue you. You ain't got nothing. That's true. I don't. <laughs> I got debt. You want no. my debt? No, I got my own. That's true. I was working. I was, I was adding to it today when they called me too. So. <laughs> you were. <laughs> All right. Let's talk Bristol. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was a little bit of a race this weekend. Well, tried to be a race this weekend. And then it ended up turning into Monday. 
first off, I cannot believe the number of people that criticize NASCAR for moving that race to Monday. I mean, for crying out loud. Obviously, when they tried to race on Saturday, if anybody saw the start of the heats, which I'll bet a lot of them did, they got like a half a lap in. And the only truck that wasn't completely covered on the on the windshield with mud was the leader. Yeah. And he had chunks of mud from his own front tires. So then they tried the late models out and tried to, you know, just blow that slime off the top, you know, had late models out there hot lapping. Yeah. And it just didn't work. You know, that those vehicles are so heavy. The weight of the vehicle and the tires they had caused problems all weekend. You know, it's and a we whole knew different that. beast. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's like I was, you know, people were saying, well, these guys are five seconds slower than a Lucas oil car. And I said, yeah, and a Lucas oil car is a second slower than these cars on asphalt. So yeah, these cars uh, it weighs, the, weighs the cars a thousand are... pounds more and has approximately 200 less horsepower. Yeah. And, and the cup cars are designed for speed and aerodynamics. And while that does come into play a little bit at dirt tracks, I don't think it comes into play at a dirt track at Bristol. And, and a late model has been specifically built for a dirt track. The way it goes through the corner to hook up, to accelerate off the corner, everything about a late model. It's it's apples yeah. and oranges. You don't see the left rear tire on a cup car move up and halfway disappear behind the door behind the driver. <laughs> right. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And yep. I, yep. I, mean, I mean, the chassis... There's no comparison. That chassis on that cup car, the rear end's designed just like an old pickup. It's got two truck arms, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, and springs and shocks. It's not infinitely adjustable and fine tunable, you know, quite like what a dirt car is. Right. You know, those bars can they have maybe two adjustment holes on each side of the bar instead of like 85 for a late model. I don't know how many late models got, but there's a lot. Everybody wants them to take the windshields out of the car. They ran windshields back when they did this, and the windshields weren't a terrible issue yesterday. It got very dusty late in the race. Yeah, but, but, but a uh, windshield's not going to change that. No, absolutely not. But a windshield, if they'd have had the mud screens and tear-offs and stuff in the trucks when they went out for their, their heats on Saturday, they might have got some racing, but they couldn't with a windshield. Let's talk about overall thoughts on the race. I thought that it was fairly competitive and pretty entertaining. I was, if I was to give it on a scale of one to 10, and I'm putting this at a Bristol race bracket, I put it at a six. I think there has been, there's definitely been some races at Bristol that were far bigger stinkers than this race was. And I'm talking Bristol last Bristol concrete. Yeah. I, I, I think this was better than some of the Bristol races that I've seen in the past. And I'm anxious to see what NASCAR does in the future. Yeah. Well, I was, well, you know, I was really surprised with all the hassles they had this weekend and especially with Saturday when they went out to run their heats mm -hmm. um, that they announced that they're going to run it again next year. Uh, yeah. I will get to that just a little bit, but I absolutely but, was too. Yeah. I mean that very, very much surprised me. Um, I was surprised there wasn't as much bumping, you know, going on. And I don't know if they just couldn't get to each other. So they, you know, they get on the asphalt and they rough each other up a little bit they didn't rough each other nobody roughed up anybody the track seemed to come in with a couple different grooves but it it really didn't have the different grooves at the same time it was just like regular bristol you could go side by side for a couple laps and then one groove just you know became faster than the other mm -hmm. you know and as far as a high side, like the regular Bristol, which is six inches from the wall, they didn't get six feet from the wall. Yeah, that high side never came in. Well, it, it never even it, worked it, its way it, up. 
it did in in tiny increments it, it would be good for a, for a driver for maybe five or six laps and then it would slick back off and they would have to go back down to the low side again yeah but that was that was the middle of the track that really wasn't all the way up to the high side like i said when it's asphalt or excuse me when it's concrete they go six inches from the wall yeah and speaking of walls why i mean they said because it wasn't conducive to dirt but why did they take the safer barriers down so i yeah i can actually answer that um which is kind of exciting for me. I can answer a question for you. <clears throat> Excuse me while I puff my chest out a little bit here. Uh, Dr. Dean Sicking, he, he was one of the very first interviews the Front Stretch did, talked about how the speeds on a dirt track are not high enough for a safer barrier wall. At those low speeds, they're basically like concrete. And so it's better to remove them and allow them to hit their other the other types of walls because they're actually a little bit softer. That was his words, not mine. They're oh. actually a little bit better than the safer barrier walls those, yeah, those well, I, walls need to be a certain need to be at a certain speed basically a certain g-force before they become effective yeah a certain g-force and actually almost a certain angle too yeah you know because uh, the glancing blows i mean they help a little bit i suppose but they're it's not that big a deal and nobody the hardest hit on the wall that i saw the whole day was chase briscoe when him and harvick got to get oh my god to i back never thought in my life i would see a cup car wheel hop Oh, they wheel hop all the time on the road courses, but it's the back wheels. Yeah. Uh, you never, know, he, I, he literally. <laughs> yeah, that, that right front tire hooked onto that concrete and took him right up the wall. Yeah. You know, if Harvick hadn't have been there and he'd have got back tire on the wall, he'd have probably rolled the car. Yeah. You know, so it was a good thing there. and But it didn't seem to hurt the car too much. He was still in a lead lap at the end of the race, you know. Well, you, uh, you, you know, that kind of brings up the point of we always hear about you know, we always see the pictures post Bristol, post Martinsville, this car and, it, and this car is just beat to beat to bejesus. And, and it finished top 10. And we saw that picture with, with uh, Ryan Blaney's car completely missing the left side uh, rear fender, uh, completely gone and, and, uh, and, and in pretty rough shape. And I think where'd he finish uh, 12th? I was going to say, uh, I think he got his, where'd he finish? Eighth. I didn't think he got that far back up there. I didn't think so either, but he sure did. On that single file restart, he was restarting like 21st or something. So, yeah. but I'm glad he did. I mean, yeah. he had a fast, he was one of the fastest, he was the fastest car in last practice. And Hamlin was up there and Joey Logano was up there. So, Logano winning is not really a surprise. Uh, Martin Truex's car going away like it did was kind of yeah. a surprise. Yeah. But let's, let's go back to what I said earlier. He took his truck setup. His truck setup only went 150 laps, which is yeah. about, you know, his, his car didn't go away until about 25 or 30 laps into the, uh, the fourth 50 lap segment. The lap 175 or so is when he got passed by Daniel Suarez. And Suarez, boy, was he strong. I mean, I, I, I honestly think Suarez's inexperience is what lost him that race. He, I think he should have won that race, but Logano took advantage of several inexperienced mistakes that, that Suarez made. Well, no, I think Suarez, you know, was heard all the stuff all week about having to search the dirt for grip. And I think he was searching and trying to find something. And you see the late model guys do it too. You know, you go to a Lucas oil race, you'll see somebody good get passed late in the race because they were looking for something and didn't find it. They gave up the line. You know, yeah. the track did, you know, start to lock down a little bit. 
and that was proved by the fact that the, the tire wear was getting worse. I mean, the tires were the right rear, especially was used up after those 50 laps at the beginning. And that's when the track still had a lot of moisture in it. Well, and it was, fourth, those were that, that first run was, was mostly blistering. Right. And then Boyer and, and Gordon were talking about it and said, okay, after this one, now you're going to start to see some serious tire wear. And was right. it and that, Hamlin's car? Hamlin and somebody else, they showed a clip of their car and those tires were bald. Those were oh, slicks yeah. again. Well, Danny Gill, uh, it was a crew chief for Ryan Truex Jr. in the truck race. He posted a tire after practice and it was bald. And I said, is that the right rear? And he said, no, this is the left rear. The right rear is worse. And I was like, oh man, you know, it would have had to have been down to the courts. And then NASCAR said they were changing changing you know to this 50 lap competition caution you know deal and mm -hmm. and uh then everybody said at the end well look at how good these tires look you know this this last 50 laps these tires look fantastic they only ran about 30 laps everything yeah. else was caution yeah and you honestly know? i i know one of your criticisms is those tires and i get it but i also kind of like i think goodyear brought a really good tire it stinks that there was that 50 lap every 50 laps there was a competition caution but they only really needed it a couple of times they also took advantage of that time to re to work the track a little bit and try to make it more raceable for the drivers. But I loved that drivers had to manage their tires a little bit more. We we've gone back and forth with Goodyear bringing the wrong tire and it was it was it, it wasn't the right tire and it never wore or it wore too much. I think this was a little bit of a war just a little bit too much but man alive they they got pretty dang close on that first shot well yeah but if they would have gone ahead and run their 75 lap stage they would have just had to manage the tires a little better and i think the guys like tyler reddick who came from a mid 20s starting spot i think he finished fourth or fifth you know was an, another guy that uh yeah. you know he's a, he's a dirt background guy you know um, that's why Ricky Stenhouse was able to make his way up through the, the pack there at the end. You know, he'd been running in the top 10, but, you know, he mounted a serious challenge right towards the end. And if he'd have got to second place with 10 laps to go, he might've got it and got by Logano and it was just managing equipment. You know, they even talked about Martin Truex doing it when he was four seconds back in third place with 15 to go. It's go time, Martin. You gotta go. You gotta go. And well, he picked up a half second, you know, <laughs> You're not when, there's only, when there's only 50 laps. It's go time, you know, when the laps are only yeah. 20 seconds long. That that you far know. back, 15 is a little too late. Uh, yeah, what is, if like you... I said, it, was, it was a good race to watch. Yeah, I, I think I'm very optimistic. We'll kind of pivot into this in a second. But the, the question I want to ask you right now is, let's say three or four years from now, what's the next track you want NASCAR to put um, – to put dirt on well i don't want them to put dirt on any tracks i'm done with that i don't even want to do it at bristol next year i want them to go race at a dirt track mm -hmm. whether it be eldora um if the truck race goes good at knoxville this summer that is something you might see as you might see them go to knoxville knoxville yes. is very unique because it is well set up to fit the formula for nascar especially this formula if they're going to do you know these three minute pit stops and stuff yeah, they can adapt their pit road to that without an issue. Right. Um, they've got plenty of infrastructure around there as far as haulers and being able to park all the big rigs and stuff like that, because they do it at a World Outlaws, you know, week long mm -hmm. show. Um, you know what? That's a good question. Do they because they wouldn't you don't think they would pit the haulers? Well, they didn't for this one, did they? They didn't have the haulers in the infield. this, this Yes, race. they did. Yeah. 
I thought they but, had them parked out back. No, no, they were all down the center. Okay. They've always been able to fit two classes. Now, the only couple of races I ever worked at Bristol in the truck series, and we ran on Wednesday night, they brought all the trucks in and we did our sh- whole show in one day. And then they would run that late model show the next day on Thursday. And then they'd run Xfinity Friday and Cup on Saturday. But each show was a one day deal. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I think that they, you know, I mean, we've seen both sides of it at Knoxville. We've seen all the big haulers inside and we've seen them all outside. So. All right. We're going a little bit long in turn one. Shocker there. Nothing new. Same story, different day. Uh, so let's punt the Bristol results to turn four. And we're going to talk about a couple of the news and notes. We're going to dive into what we've been kind of teasing a little bit was that on Tuesday, uh, or excuse me, Monday evening, NASCAR announced that the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway will return with the next-gen car on dirt for 2022. You're not a fan of this, and I think I... I, I think I partially agree with you. I'm just at the thought, if they're going to do a dirt race, do it on a dirt track. Yeah. That's all. That's all I'm thinking. I don't think, and I watched a lot of the uh, stuff the week before with all the different classes. It it just seems real funny, and it's hard to wrap your head around when you figure those cup cars were not much faster than the Hornets the week before. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the fact, you know, the watch yeah. didn't, the watch isn't going to lie. You know, that was everybody's complaint. Well, these guys are five seconds slower than a Lucas, you know, than the late models were last week. Well, like we talked about it, uh, less tire, less horsepower, more weight. They are not designed to be on a dirt track. That's all yeah. there is to it. You know, I'm so I, I, I get what NASCAR is doing here. And I, I think that they will try to take care of their own before they expand out to Knoxville or Eldora because they got to take care of Bristol. Bristol has, has had some really, really good races in the last five, seven years, and they've had some pretty big stinkers. Same theory they're going with with Auto Club Speedway and redesigning it to be a short track rather than adding Iowa Speedway to the schedule. They want to be in the California market. They already have a racetrack there. Let's try to figure out how to make that facility work, whatever racetrack we need it to be before we add on other tracks. I'm optimistic for this race because I think NASCAR and teams learned a lot in this in the last uh, five or six days while they were at Bristol and watching all this stuff. They learned a tremendous amount of information. I'm optimistic for what comes next year. And and again, not to to kind of give the political response, but I'm also a little scared of what comes too, because like we've heard so many drivers say well that didn't take as long to screw up because if they're going to find a way to manipulate it or find a way to trick it or whatever it's usually in the second or third attempt yeah well uh one of my biggest gripes about the whole weekend is not having the heat races that was going to be one of the best things i thought i mean kyle larson was going to start on the pole of his heat probably would win his heat and Mm -hmm. but he had the engine change so he was going to the back no matter what but you would have had you probably would have had um chris windham closer to the front mike marler would have been closer to the front ricky stenhouse would probably been closer to the front christopher christopher bell definitely would have been closer to the front you know which would have changed the whole complex of the race. Yeah. You'd have got four, three or four of those dirt guys up front. If you'd have got Stenhouse, Larson, uh, Christopher Bell, and uh, let's just say Chris Windham, if those four cars would have got to the front of the race, they wouldn't have got passed. You know, they were the experienced dirt drivers yeah. in the field and they would have held their position. No matter how much faster the car was, they wouldn't have got passed. Now, the big downfall would have been if I had my way is if they would have had regular 
pit stops because obviously their pit stops wouldn't have been near as good as what Truax or Hamlin or Logano's would have been. Well, Kyle Larson still would have been, and so would Christopher Bell's. But your guys yeah. like Wyndham and, and Mike Marler and some of these guys, their their pit stops wouldn't have been near as good, and they would have right. lost a lot of ground on pit stops. But uh, you know, you're talking about taking care of Bristol. Now Bristol's owned by Bruton Smith. It's part of Speedway Motors. They own a dirt track in Charlotte. They own a dirt track in Texas. They own a dirt track in Vegas. They got plenty of places to go run these cars on dirt. Yeah, but you but you want to you want to take care of Bristol. I mean, it's you're trying to help that racetrack. And and I'm well, I'm more focused on the local economy there, the deals with the local government to help them you with still run your two races there. But if one of the if the races are struggling with attendance because people aren't happy with the res, with the concrete races, try something different. And well, I also applaud NASCAR because I've talked about this with what is now my previous company till I was blue in the face and so frustrated. The number of times I see people give up on something after one try because they didn't like the result. And hardly anything ever works the first time. It it takes learning what you did wrong and what you did right and making adjustments to it. I, I applaud NASCAR to a point to say it didn't go like we wanted it to. Don't think it went bad. Didn't go great. But it didn't go like we wanted it to. We're going to come back in year number two and we're going to try it again. Yeah, I, with Mother Nature in there, you know, it was, I'm going to say I would have figured it about 75% change that they were going to get rain that weekend you know and that's just tennessee in the spring that's just all there is to it right yeah and it's 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 real tough to to tell me a perfect day to race to race a dirt race anywhere in the united states you know you schedule a dirt race and it's going to rain or it's going to be really hot could be windy there's so many weather conditions that are going to mess up that track that the chances you're going to have a a perfect weather day are one in in probably eight or nine races and also i was going to say i don't know if i've ever seen i-80 get quite that dust i have on a weekly night but not on a big race like that well hold on i I don't remember it being really dusty unless i mean i missed last year's silver dollars but all the silver dollars i've been seeing i don't remember a really dusty one at all i want to say it was the what what is you know obviously it's a little bit murky as to what race is what but the i want to say it was the wednesday night of the go 50 which is kind of the kickoff to the silver dollar nationals weekend um previously yeah a lot of drivers were really unhappy with that racetrack i honestly cannot remember the exact conditions but i remember there being conversation friday and saturday from the track from steve kaziski joe kaziski everybody involved saying hey guys really really sorry about wednesday we're going to get it right the next couple of days. We apologize. So it's, it, and I, listen, I just want to say it because somebody's probably going to go back to Steve Kaziski and say, Dan and Dirk were talking trash about you guys, about how bad you are. <laughs> Steve's given, one of the best out there. I, oh my God. I given, a, given a 35 race schedule, Steve Kaziski gets it right 32 times out of the year. Most dirt tracks in a 30 race schedule are going to get it right 10 or 15 times. You know, Steve Kaziski is one of the best different tracks have a little bit different characteristics some tax tracks dry slick over a little quicker than others um you know sunset used to be dry slick you know it, darn near every night that's just the way that track you know went that's the way the dirt dirt worked i don't care how muddy you started it with you know when you went out there it, it just ended up with a dry slick track and everybody knew it everybody expected it everybody knew how to adjust for it that's the thing these cup crew chiefs and stuff didn't have you know, all that knowledge. Now, again, the drivers that Newman was another one that had a good run yesterday, you know, is it has a dirt background. Yeah. Like I said, those cars just aren't designed at that weight with that horsepower, uh, with that small attire to run on that type of surface. 
you know, right. there's, there's no way you can take that car. I don't care. You can take the windshield out of it. You can put a better tire on it. It's still not going to run a, a low 15 second lap like the late models did, mm -hmm. you know, a week earlier. It's just not going to happen. All right. We'll have to wait and see what happens for next year's race. Uh, let's move forward. We've got a couple of news stories I wanted to cover before we head into turns two and three. Turn two, we're going to talk with Andrew Kaziski, driver of the number 53 super late model throughout the area, and then Stu Snyder, driver of the Race Saver 305, number 20, uh, excuse me, number five, and then the number 23S 360 sprint car. We're going to talk to him. Stu starts his season this uh, coming weekend at I-80 Speedway for a Friday and Saturday doubleheader at the Spring Meltdown. Uh, before we get into that, I wanted to talk about a couple of news and notes. Did you see Chase Elliott's tribute to Alan Kowicki for his Darlington throwback? Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous car. Yeah, very, very cool deal there. That's always one of those that kind of pulls at the heartstrings just a little bit because Alan's story is obviously very special to race fans. Not only the way that he won his championship, but his unfortunate passing too early. And uh, it's really cool. They're going to be doing some throwback schemes, especially for Hooters in that uh, that number nine car for Chase Elliott. Yeah. That's uh, that'll be a popular diecast, let me tell you. Yeah, it will be. Uh, next gen car is going to be get tested. Is going to be tested this week at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, let's see. Looks like it's going to be well as we record. It's going to be Tuesday and Wednesday. So as as the show comes out on Wednesday, they'll uh, they'll have already completed their testing. But looks like David Reagan is going to be in a Ford, and Alex Bowman is going to be testing in a Chevy. And see that that's a little odd because David Reagan's not even a, a current driver. Yeah. I mean, he's still racing a little bit, so it's not terrible. But you would think Ford would have wanted somebody else in the car unless Reagan's going to be on a team next year in a Ford. Well, maybe he was the only one that was available because of whatever. You know, he's he's probably still under contract from Ford. So they just needed somebody. And and he's not a bad choice. David Reagan's got a ton of experience, regardless yeah, of the number of W's in his in his uh, stats column. David Reagan is a, is a very experienced driver. Well, I don't know. Would you rather have Kevin Harvick out there? He's got a lot more W's and, you know, you know even no, more yeah, experience. I, or would you yeah, rather I, have Logano or... I would or just Kevin assume Lowry? that if, if they went with David Reagan, it was probably because everybody else was booked up already for some one reason or another. Well, let's just see if he doesn't end up in a Ford next year somewhere. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, looks I mean, like cars you know. will have pattern and camo wrap to disguise elements of the car, which will be equipped with wheel force transducers to gather data. Uh, that's, oh, I know we got a couple of local dirt news we need to talk about a little bit. During the race on Monday, there was an opportunity to go to advancemytrack.com and vote for your lake local favorite dirt track. Adams County Speedway was listed. Uh, I-80 Speedway was not. I texted uh, Joe and Lisa to find out what the heck happened there and uh, felt kind of bad. Those guys were on vacation. I mean, semi-vacation for Joe and Lisa. When they, when they go on vacation, they go to, to Daytona uh, for speed weeks and get a bunch of business done, booking races and, and rubbing elbows with a bunch of drivers. But the day they got back was the day that the information was due to NASCAR to be added to that Advanced Auto Parts uh, NASCAR home track contest. So Adams County Speedway was listed, and uh, and again, I-80 did not get submitted, so they were not added to the list is the reason why. There was no uh, kind of snub there or anything. Uh, but it, it, And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. They got the uh, nod from NASCAR as a uh, thank you for their, their NASCAR home track when they were put on Ryan Blaney's car. Was that it? Where was that at? Phoenix. Phoenix? Phoenix. 
Cool thing there. All right, Shaley Bade Racing has announced that the car owner and crew chief, Chris Helgett, will be the driver of the O3C this season as Shaley Bade is busy growing her bun in the oven. It's going to be the couple's first child and Chris Helgett's first time driving a Race Saver 305 Sprint car. So you'll see him behind the wheel of the O3C coming up here in a couple of weeks. I believe that their first race is scheduled to be the Icebreaker Challenge at Eagle Raceway. Sounds about right on the schedule anyway do you want them to be successful so then they got to come out with a car three <laughs> zero three a yeah. uh, go to a two-car team or do you want him not to be successful and then his wife takes back over next year yes because <laughs> I, I do i do agree with the fact that she's getting out of the driver's seat i think it's way too dangerous oh yeah you know yeah, and you never know what those forces and the smells and you know, you never know what that would do to a child. Better yet, if she could, you know, I, I know that that sickness and queasiness can often be an issue uh, with pregnancy. So who knows what would happen? But uh, good choice on them, and and good for Chris. I, I think it'll be a great experience for him. Like like they mentioned in the post, he's been the crew chief for the last two years, so it'll be kind of a different opportunity for him to to be able to get behind the wheel and maybe help diagnose that car in years to come. Now that he's got a little bit of experience. Yeah, and I just want to be the first to say it, Shaley. You do not tell him I told you it's not easy <laughs> you be nice to chris no ask anybody that sits in the fan in stands driving is easy I, that's what i'm saying so i just want to make sure <laughs> all right yeah. we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back andrew kaziski driver of the number 53 super late model is going to join us and then Stu Snyder, he drives the 23S in the 05 Sprint cars, a 305 and a, and a 360. Throughout the Midwest, Stu's going to join us in turn number three. Then we're going to come back. We're going to recap Bristol. We're not going to get you set for any race because this coming Sunday is the Easter Bunny 400 at your own dinner table. Uh, we're going to yep. take a quick break. We'll be back on the front stretch. Red Oak Fabrication in Red Oak, Iowa is changing the powder coating game. Drivers and teams have overpaid for good work for far too long. Get to Red Oak Fabrication and get Get quality powder coating at an affordable price. A brand new bare frame gets done for $450. Plus the turnaround time, days, not weeks. Get your free estimate today. Email Jordan F at redoakfabrication.com. See what Red Oak Fabrication can do for you today on their Facebook page or at redoakfabrication.com. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. 